Are you ready for season three of Discography? Yeah! We're jumping into the deep end of The Who. Not only will we go through every Studio Who album in great detail, but their story is often told between albums, so we'll be touching on non-album singles, the solo works of Keith Moon, John Entwistle, Roger Daltrey, and Pete Townsend, and some of the events that would make a record begin as a concept and land as something that would universally change the world. Discography returns to Consequence Podcast Network in January of 2019. Until then, be lucky. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to Track by Track, a recurring feature here on Consequence of Sound where we explore an album one song at a time with the artist. Discussing the song's origins, tales from the studio, every story that brought this music to life. I'm Tyler Clark of Consequence of Sound, and in this episode I'm speaking with Bradford Cox of Deer Hunter, the band's new record, Why Hasn't Everything Already Disappeared? But first, some housekeeping. If you love Track by Track, our album reviews, or any feature here on COS, please consider rating and reviewing our show on Apple Podcasts, or rating and reviewing specific episodes on Podchaser. Your feedback helps us grow and lets us know what you love about them, how you think they could improve, or how you listen to them. Reach out to us by leaving a review or hitting us up on the Consequence Podcast Network Facebook page. We're an independent music outlet, and it's you find folks that make it possible for us to keep exploring music in new and exciting ways. So connecting with you about how you experience our content is majorly important to us. Thanks so much for tuning in, and now let's uncover all the stories behind Why Hasn't Everything Already Disappeared? my privilege to be speaking with the one and only Bradford Cox of Deer Hunter. Uh, how are you this evening? Very good. How are you? I'm so good. Um, I, this is definitely the highlight of what was otherwise a pretty dreary and rainy, cold January day in Chicago. So thank you for uh, helping to add a little spark well, to my I'm day. Very, I'm, glad, I'm glad to warm you by my fire. <laughs> That's right. It's very... <laughs> It was very nice here. It was it was like seventy degrees and sunny here. So wonder where where are you located right now? In Atlanta. Oh, wonderful! That's uh, where that... I live. But it's not that's not typical. It's sure. very unseasonable. We we have mm. you know it's kind of, Atlanta's normally not seventy degrees in January. Right. Right. Normally like thirty something. You know, cold and gray. So I, I feel you. I'm not. We don't quite get the Chicago effect, but. <laughs> It's one yeah. of those, yeah, and it's one of those terrifying, well, I don't know, if ter- maybe it is terrifying, I don't know, I feel like I always have that feeling, because we had some unseasonably warm weather here this weekend, and, you know, you you find yourself enjoying it a little bit, and then you think, like, is this, you know, is this okay? Like, sh- this shouldn't be happening. There's, like, that voice in the back of my head that's always saying, like, there's something wrong here <laughs> whenever it's too warm out. Yeah, I, I actually have this, I think everyone has that. Yeah. Like, uh, you're cheating or something. Yeah. Well, we are here this evening to uh, discuss your new record, Why Hasn't Everything Already Disappeared, uh, which is uh, coming out this month. And uh, I- I'm really excited. I've been listening to the record all day, and it's uh, one that I think is I'm not going to be able to get out of my mind for uh, a long while. So um, I guess, first of all, thank thank you for that. Thank you. <laughs> I, that's, a, that's a very nice word. I appreciate that. 
Absolutely. And so, uh, for just for our listeners' benefit, in case this is their first time listening to Track by Track, we are going to uh, do our best to sort of walk through the record uh, track by track and, and give you a chance to uh, talk a little bit about each song, uh, what it means or doesn't mean to you, and, and uh, the record as a whole. So, do you want to just jump right in? Sure, let's go for it. All right. So, the first track uh, is one that will probably be familiar to... Um, a lot of listeners, if they've been paying attention to what you've been up to in recent months, um, Death in Midsummer was released as a, a sort of a, a preview track of the record or first single, if you want to think about it that way. Come on down from that cloud and cast your fears aside. My expectation was that um, people were going to be like, oh, that's, that's nice. Uh, <laughs> we'll wait for the single to actually like, I expected basically for it to be ignored. Mm. And um, it was kind of interesting to me the way that it turned out because people seemed to take, um, take to it very well. And that was a really pleasant surprise. And then the song that I thought was, you know, you know, with the better single, <laughs> it seemed like it attracted uh, people less. I just think that's so, it's just funny to try to, it's funny when you think that you know what you're doing and you have no idea. And your your audience sort of surprises you a little bit, maybe, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and everyone, yeah. So why, you said it was, you felt like this was destined to always be the first song released, and I don't know if that also extends to being the first song on the record in, in sequence. Uh, yeah, definitely. It was a opener. Yeah, for sure. No question. I have no idea. It's <laughs> honest answer to your question. Yeah. I always do everything by instinct, and instinctually, I was just certain that that was. Um, I mean, it's sort of a probably like a filmmaker when you realize you've got the first shot of the movie. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It just it just feels right. It it goes. It plays. The scene played well. You know? Yeah. Um. I was very, 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 very pleased with the way that um, that track came together. Um, every aspect of it was a great improvement. You know, the demo. Oh. Um, you know, whereas a lot of times it's hard for writers to let go of the demo and um, watch it develop because, because it feels like it's, it's evolving into something beyond your control and everybody else is getting there. Um, hands in it, in it, you know, and, and um, sometimes you're really looking forward to that, and other times you're like, ah, I really like the way this is, is sitting yeah. right now, and I, I just don't want to see it change. It's like watching something grow up. Right, and in this case, it, it changed every single aspect from the percussion to the, the keyboard arrangement, the drums was an improvement. Um, so I was really pleased. I find that really interesting. I also noticed as I was listening to it that, that one of the first things that we hear on the record is the harpsichord of Kate LeBon. Yes. And I know that she has sort of been um, instrumental in this record. And I'm just wondering if you'd talk a little bit about your relationship with her and what she brought to this process and why you felt like it was a good fit to uh, to work with her on this one. Well, Kate is uh, she's like a you know obviously like kind of a sister 
to me. Um, I thought she was an older sister, but I guess she's younger than me. But I never, uh, not from looks, just from <laughs> her, the level of maturity in her work. Mm. I've always like kind of looked up to her. So I was just kind of surprised when I realized that I'm actually like, um, I, I just found it very amusing that I was older than her. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I've always viewed her as sort of um, someone with great instincts mm. and um, someone I can trust. And I, want, I wanted to, um, I wanted to work with someone um, that would challenge me. Mm. And then I could accept. I could accept the challenge. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there's certain times when you expect people to accommodate your vision, mm-hmm. and then there's other times where you want people to question your vision and make you fight for every, you know, every single decision. You you, you want people to make you sort of work through it. It's got to be challenging in order to be rewarding. And if everyone's just saying yes to you constantly. It's incredibly disappointing, yeah. Because <laughs> there's just this feeling of... Um, They're not telling the truth. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know about necessarily truth. Uh, it's more of a feeling that everyone is resents you, you know? Mm. If people can be honest with you and, and challenge your ideas and question your opinions, that means they respect you and you respect them, you know? If I don't respect someone, I won't, I won't discuss it. I won't let the discussion go very far, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's not that I had a bad experience with anyone we've worked with before at all. Mm. It was like seeing someone and saying, I, I, I can really see some interesting directions and things splintering off. And she's also very focused mm-hmm. on a very basic level. Um, I, I have an incredibly scattered mind. Um, I mean, I can't, I, I mean, I have, I have like a, clinically tense attention deficit issue you know mm-hmm. and so a lot of times i'll just uh, completely forget what it, what it is that i'm doing or what what the point of any anything that i'm doing is and, and kate is is a, so uh gifted at, 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 at gently but assuredly putting me back on track you know mm-hmm putting everyone back on track and we all we all every every single person in the band it's very rare i can kind of speak for everyone with, with assurance but everyone in the band felt with trust and and immediate deep respect for her beyond the fact that we are all fans of her music you know mm-hmm. but it, that, that's it's unusual actually well, and it seems to have really um, paid dividends on this new one. You can you can definitely hear, I think, that everyone sort of bought in. It comes through in the music, I think. Yeah, she brought she brought a very specific um, commitment. Mm. So that brings us to uh, the second track on the record, um, which is called "No One's Sleeping." Uh, and I know that you mentioned earlier um, that that you're press materials, you know, sort of did a track by track, um, you know, breakdown or commentary on, um, some of these songs. And in this one, um, that commentary references, uh, the political violence that has sort of, uh, gripped a lot of parts of the world that it hadn't been sort of gripping in the recent past or in the sort of noticeable past. No one's sleeping. Great unrest. 
mentioned the uh, 2016 murder of British Labour MP um, Joe Cox, and I'm just wondering because I think the last you know the last time we we sort of heard from Deer Hunter in a in a wide release was 2015, and it's a very different. It seems like a very different world now, and I'm just wondering what sort of the ambient political situation, both here and abroad, uh, how has that affected you since the last time you sort of issued a musical statement? Very negatively. Mm-hmm. Uh, an uncomfortable environment for anyone to to work. It all, it all seems futile, you know? Mm. Because there's a sense of of nihilism, you know? Yes. Um, we've reached a sort of very dismal uh, n- nadir, you know? Yeah. A lot of times that leads to some kind of revolution and uh, renaissance. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't know. I just, I, I feel, I mean, it's not my job to be pleasant, you know? <laughs> of course. Uh, thank thankfully. And so, I mean, I have no problem saying that there's not a, really a bright side. And if, there, if somebody says to me, well, why don't you just um, focus on the positive? I would just say to them, I don't know what. What, what, what positive? <laughs> yeah, show me. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know that it's necessary to speak in specifics, you know. Mm-hmm. I think um, I was very specific in the um, track by track, um, and I mentioned, you know, Joe Cox's death, which was incredibly appalling to me. Yes. Uh, and of course, now I've talked about it in every interview, and I feel a bit weird about it because I, I definitely don't want to use her death as a, a, a picture frame for, you know, you know, it's just a, a song, you know? Yeah. Um, but it was exactly, I mean, speaking honestly, it was exactly what I was, uh, I, I wrote it the night that happened, uh, or actually the morning. Hmm. And it was just um, exactly what the exact source of the song. Hmm. Was it was a sense of uh, impending sort of anxiety and panic. And I think the message of the song is, is, is pretty nihilistic. And unfortunately, I, I hate, I, hate to be um, that way, but that's what comes honestly to me now. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, people trying to, uh, to say, you know, I mean, the, the best thing we can do right now is give in to uh, the darkness and experience it fully and, the, you know, learn from it. Yeah. But yeah, otherwise there's not a, there doesn't seem to be sort of an easy or palatable yeah, there's not really, I mean, yeah, it's, it's not, it's, the reality is there's too much that needs doing here. And what one person thinks is, is what needs doing is not going to agree with someone else. Uh, you know, yeah. we're not going to change each other's mind. No. And one, I mean, my, certainly my opinion is that one side is fighting for destruction and, and the other is fighting, you know, there's a contingent that's fighting for destruction, there's a contingent that's fighting for normalcy. And then there's a lot of people that are complicating the matters. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and fooling people and uh, there's clowns, you know. <laughs> um, one of them is living in a large white house right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they, some of these people, honestly, have no interest in humanity. So I think that's, as a, as a writer, you know, I think that's definitely something that sets the mind reeling. It's something that you that you think you'd have to imagine, but but then you see yeah. it sort you see it sort of in reality in front of you, and it's it's <laughs> well, it's happened before. It's not yeah. the first time. Yeah, and it won't be the last. And mm. and it's uh, you know, optimism doesn't change anything. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't make the world any better. I mean, I think the greatest thing that you can do is solemnly watch for lessons. Yeah, and yeah, and sort of watch for as long as you can. Yeah, I mean, you know, and definitely defend those might be suffering and can't, you know, mm-hmm. certainly not not to ignore suffering, you know. Oh, of course. I don't yes. mean that, but definitely, you know, it's just sort of uh, what can be done, what can be done, what can be done. You know, and, and, and you know, I'm not the one, um, I don't consider myself to be... Um, uh, speaking from an elevated intellectual capacity or anything, mm-hmm. I, I view myself as no different than than um, my neighbor, my friends. You know, I, I just, I mean, I, I guess I have always wanted to avoid completely in, 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 in politics mm-hmm. my entire career. Yeah, and I still do. Yeah. Uh, but when it's taken over so much, uh, it's pretty much impossible to 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 not let it sink in there, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's become one of those things that does feel like it it has uh, appeared in corners where it sort of never would have been expected to before. Um, yeah, it feels like something's been taken hostage. Yeah, that's a really good way of. A really good, really sad way of putting it. Um, I mean, I don't think it's. I don't think I. I, don't th- I think I might have. I think that might be like something I. Re- you know, mm-hmm. I think that might be like a. You know, a, a common sentiment. Mm. Um, that, you know, America. Well, you know, am I am I wrong? Maybe that was. When I was growing up. I believe. That's what. The conservatives used to call Bill Clinton's presidency <laughs> America held hostage. My goodness. I remember being, you know, subjected to all this kind of conservative talk radio when I was growing up. Uh-huh. I think that was one of the, you know, one of one of those talk radio things, you know, America held hostage, and... J138. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Boy, if, yeah, and if they could, I mean, and the thing is, like, all those people think that this is all fine, and it's it's so. I don't know that they do. Uh, I think they're uh, afraid of losing. I mean, I I really hate going to, to so much political depth because I've I've always felt that you need to keep some sure something private because I don't enjoy I don't enjoy telling someone I think you're wrong. Yeah. Uh, it's not my it's not my job. It's hard to say even when you believe it. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, but I think the way that people have decided that they cannot lose, even if they know they're fighting on a, something they don't believe in, I think that's really the case with, with a lot of middle America, you know? 
Hmm. I mean, you hear things like this weekend. I mean, I, I hate, I really hate that I'm getting so specific, but you know, you hear things like this weekend that um, the border wall was only invented as a, as a sort of uh, ridiculous memory trigger for Trump mm-hmm. um, for, by his speechwriters so that he could remember to talk about how much, you know, uh, the, the quote unquote immigration problem. And you, you're like, this can't. This can't be reality. Yeah, right. Yeah. But it is, in fact. And it's every once a week or more that you something new comes out that makes you say that. And it's. But it's, it's I mean, it, no, no. It's, it's not a joke. It's, it's no. actually. This, the reality is that this was not meant to be taken seriously, yet our government is shut down right now. Yeah. Over something that was honestly only meant. Honest. Honest. You can't write this. this is, yeah. No, no, no! It was just a—we were just kidding. <laughs> it, it wasn't like a real, really build a border. Oh, yeah. I mean, really, you really think that was supposed to be serious? And this guy—you know—I mean, it's—it's it's, it's madness. Anyway, <laughs> well, I, I, after I get done talking about it all, I feel very dirty, you know. Well, let's. Yeah, we can move I on. Feel, then I feel. I to... feel. <laughs> you know, yeah. I feel like I've just wasted both of our time. You know. Well, I, Wish it was gone. Well, that's all right. We can move on to track number three right now. Greenpoint Gothic, um, which uh, I saw... Also, that you've referred to as an architectural interlude, and I'm wondering—I I had a, some ideas of what that meant for me, but I was wondering if you had any um, anything else to, to sort of say about what that means for this song, both like as a piece on the record and also as you know, sort of the commentary behind it. Well, it means probably a lot less than you know. As I said a moment ago, I don't—I don't like all this talk. Mm-hmm. Uh. I mean, I, I, I'm sitting here feeling so uncomfortable um, from talking so much um, with everyone. You know, like I just, sure. I've I, I really like revealed stuff that's sort of like my private um, views that I always said to myself would be private. You know, and um, I think unconsciously something like Greenpoint Gothic comes along as a sort of way of saying, "All right, enough talk, um, enough seriousness. Let's just take a moment." And I think it's it's it's, it's uh, kind of um, uh, architecturally it's meant to uh, transition between um, the very first phase mm-hmm. of the record, and then you know um, take a it's, just, it's it's meant to be a breath, you know. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I do think it is. Uh, yeah, after such a, a sort of powerful kind of one-two on those first two songs, it is a sort of, uh, not quite a, yeah, not quite a palate cleanser, I guess, but yeah, a, a, just a, a sort of, I think, I think, I think, I think, I think I've used that actually, that phrase, mm. uh, in the studio to describe it. Yeah. With I do. I mean, cleanser. I do think it has that sort of effect though. It sort of get, gets you sort of yeah, ready for that's, what's that's to come. Yeah. Well, or at least just let your, you know, have a bit of a rest. You know, yeah. From, yeah, being preached at. 
So we'll move to Element, which is the the fourth track. And I'm curious. I, I know that, and and I may be totally off base on this one, but um, was was this the song that you that you referred to earlier that you that you thought would be yeah. sort of the better received yeah. like early single? But I did. I did not when I wrote it. Okay. When I wrote it. I thought it was maybe the strangest um, song I'd ever written. And I'm speaking specifically of harmony and chords. You know. Yeah. Not not so much in the. Uh, I felt that it was a very um, strange, um, as in terms of musical, you know, melody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I didn't quite. I, I thought it was like an impossible uh, description of um, a song that wouldn't work. You know, mm-hmm. kind of like I'm very fascinated by. Things like Borges and and Escher and writers and, and math and people that describe impossible structures mm-hmm. that can't exist, stairways that lead nowhere, these kind of things. And um, you know, it, that's kind of what Element reminds me of in a way. It's sort of like a an Escher print or something. Um, it sort of shouldn't work, but yeah. then you know. To me, it does, and then uh, I I kind of leave selecting singles usually aside from knowing that I wanted Death in Summer. I usually pick the first one, mm-hmm. and then I kind of let other people choose the rest because um, I always find it very interesting which sing- which song that everyone wants a different song to be the next single. You know, and we're not very we're not very competitive in in in, in a marketplace sort of way. So it's a bit it's very much more like uh, it's less like which song do you think will be received well commercially? Because there's not much hope of that with any of our songs. So it's it's very much like you get to hear kind of what people like about the album and what people the songs that you know they think. The songs that appeal to one person in the band or one person um, at the label or something. Yeah. I've, I've had people tell me that Greenpoint Gothic should have been the next single. And I, I'm just like, <laughs> you're insane. You know? <laughs> but they're like, no, for real. That's a banger. Certainly. The, they're like, no, it's, it's, it's the catchiest. I mean, I can't get it. You know, I can't get out of my mind. Uh, and, and it's just uh, very interesting to me, isn't it? No. Yes, it is. And I just wonder, uh, just staying on this one for a second, you know, that, you know, obviously we've, we've sort of t- touched on it a bit as we talk here, and, and I think it's something that listeners will pick up on when they hear this record, but there is certainly a, um, you know, plenty of uh, sort of, this is the, the, these songs seem to be, to me at least, like meditations on, you know, climate change and sort of the impossibility of continuing as we are sort of as a species, um, and you're sort of marrying that with a lot of really um, incredibly catchy, poppy music. And so I'm wondering, because we've talked about it a little bit, like that you're not here to really present, you know, sort of comfort or optimism. 
what do you hope that your listeners are taking away from songs like this one? If I thought about that when I was writing, I'd never get anything done. I think that's why <laughs> a lot of people um, find it difficult to to write these days. Difficult because people are very concerned about what they hope to achieve or what impact they hope to have. And I just don't consider those kind of things, mm. honestly. I, as I said, I just I don't I wouldn't get anything done. Yeah. I, I just I, I I kind of operate on the the principle of uh, stream of consciousness. You know, first thought, best thought. Well, I think that's a that is that I I find that really uh, I do find that really interesting, especially uh, you know after hearing all of these songs together. I think that 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 sheds sort of a new light on on them for me. There's very 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 little. Um, there's very little conscious intent i mean all these all these things we're discussing all these all these um descriptions of tracks and mm-hmm. when i wrote you know when i write this, about what these songs mean and when i when i said these are all just my estimations because i mean when i was writing them i really wasn't so uh, i wasn't operating under a great uh veil of self-awareness so i wasn't i wasn't operating with intent because if I was operating with intent, I, I would have avoided these topics entirely. And, yeah. Uh, written something very, you know. I mean, I don't think it's. A, I mean, what attracts people, uh, especially young people, like when I was a teenager, things like Dada and mm. surrealism, mm-hmm. is that they don't address particulars. I very much um, can say that, that, that it would be much more enjoyable for me to not. Um, yeah, be able to explain anything. So I, I, I just, I just, I offer my uh, self-analysis, as you know, in in hopes that I don't, um, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say that this is, you know. This is what the songs are about. You know, right. I have no idea what I was going, where, where I was coming from. Right. A lot of times. Track number five. Let's get there. What happens to people? Um, uh, can't talk about this one. No. No. Okay. This one's sort of a bit like THM on Monomania. It's, you can't. Some things I just uh, draw. It's it's the one song where I can say that um, it was written. Uh, following a very specific tragedy, okay, per- more more personal, okay, um, something, with, and um, I don't think that it's, it's something I want to discuss uh, okay. as much. And I think that you know it's very um, much open for interpretation. What happens to We'll progress on to uh, that wasn't my intention uh, i know oh, i know i know i'm 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 on board uh well that brings me to track number six is one that i that i was hoping that yeah we could uh spend a little bit of time on um okay. uh de tournament I, I i find that this one to be sort of the um track for me um that you know if i were one of those people that was trying to convince you to put out a single 
uh, I think this would be this would be a, a choice for me. Good morning to Japan. And the eastern sunrise over these majestic cliffs and the vultures circling. I wonder with this one, you know, because it has that quality of and and the content in it, you know, there's sort of the the idea of the globe and sort of the map and and of travel. I I just wonder for you, you know, you're you're a few days away from beginning another um tour that will take you, you know, on the road for a while. What is your relationship with travel like these days? I don't I don't think that I have a very original uh, perspective on it. I think I share the kind of con- anxieties a lot of people have. I'm very claustrophobic in airports and, mm-hmm. uh, and places like that. Um, I always feel that I'm going to miss something or I'm going to miss a flight I'm late. I'm going to do something wrong. What's it going to be like? What am I going to eat? Yeah. Uh, but inevitably, I'm always, uh, you know, once I get on stage or once I get where I'm going, I, I really enjoy it. So the name, I'm I'm familiar with the the term um, that this song is named after, but I've seen it most used in uh, in the visual arts, and and I think it's interesting that you that you described um, element as like a like an Escher painting and sort of describing some of these things in terms of visual arts. Why why did that sort of that term match up on this song and what it you know its sound and what it became. Well, uh, my familiarity with the term comes from the situationist uh, and psychogeography, you know. Uh, and I think that is as good a time as any to head to track number seven, uh, which is futurism. Way back at the beginning, we talked about um, Kate LeBond's um, influence on the album, but you also worked on this one with um, Tim Presley, who appears on this track. Um, yes. What and so I, I guess the, so, sort of the same question as with as with Kate, like how did that? How did your association oh, with Tim him come is, about? Is 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 just one of the greatest people I've ever met. Um, hmm. Simply put, he's he's one of my all time favorite human beings. Hmm. I, I just don't think there's an ounce of of uh, vitriol in him at all. I mean, mm-hmm. he's so kind, and uh, and there's not like a dark <laughs> uh, something dark under the surface with Tim. He's he's, mm-hmm. he's a, uh, just an incredibly generous and sweet person, and and I just I I I could. Uh, Scream from the highest mountain and still not sing his praises loud enough. <laughs> was this your first time working with him on 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 music, or was this was was that that relationship sort well, of personal? We worked or? together with Kate um, on the Marpa Miss. Oh, and, that's right, that's um, right. Yes, of course. Right, yeah. So he's he's Kate's partner, and so um, it's just one of those things where I I, I was like, you can't leave. <laughs> uh, usually, I, I I don't want partners around because I think it can be uh, distracting. It can it can it, it feels a bit like um, uh, unbalanced, you mm-hmm. know. 
Yeah. I like everybody to be alone and it's and uh, sort of in a, it's kind of a military maneuver, you know? Sure, sure. Um, All business. Sort of like, uh, yeah, we can't have partners around to, 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 you know, contribute opinions and things of that nature. And in the case of uh, Tim, I mean, within 24 hours, I was like, wherever, you know, I want you to join the band. And everyone agreed. <laughs> the entire band feels exactly the same way. I mean, again, it's just like Kate, it's, you know, um, there's always a hesitancy of, I wonder if this is a, if this is going to work out or if, if this is actually going to be a good decision. Uh, you know, I know I like this person, but will they actually contribute? Will it mesh? And, yeah. And it, yeah. But in the case of Kate and in the case of Tim, it was, you know, it took maybe two hours for me to realize it was like the greatest decision. Yeah. And it, I mean, I think again, that, that definitely comes through in the finished product as well. He definitely, there's a nice, um, uh, the feeling of him being sort of folded into the <laughs> into the fold. If, yes, if, he was, I mean he was there for every minute of it. There was nothing he wasn't there for. You know, he was. He was um, I, I he was the main person I I would I would go to for an opinion on any any number of topics. So track eight uh, is called Tarnung, which is the I believe the German word for camouflage. Is that right? Yes, and it's named after a book I got in Marfa, Texas. Um, it's named after a poem inside a book I got in Marfa, Texas by a writer named Ian Hamilton Finlay. And when Lockett wrote the song, um, it didn't have a title, and he was, he was sort of sitting around looking at that book. To me, it reminds me of, of uh, I wrote in, in my track, liner notes, in my track listing that it, it very much reminds me of uh, walking. Uh, me and Lockett could take long walks um, on a tour we went on last spring. And, and uh, we did a lot of French dates, smaller French towns. Mm-hmm. And so we, we did a, quite a lot of walking. I mean, it's kind of very, very beautiful French countryside villages and stuff mm-hmm. and it, it was a very rainy season though so it was very rainy and and european that's what this song reminds me of european raininess well from european raininess uh back to as you mentioned already marfa texas for planes i was listening to the trains i was up all night and something glistened in the strange blood to fuse light, my friend was missing. Um, I know that you did a lot of work uh, in Marfa for this record. You, you spent time there recording. Uh, I just wonder how that particular place sort of makes itself felt on the record. And if any other, if you feel any of these other songs are sort of like, connected to the places where they were worked on or recorded or what have you. One thing that's very interesting about um, West Texas is the vastness creates a, the impression that you would expect a certain kind of reverb. When you, you know, when you look at those giant skies, you, you sort of, I guess you imagine just a very cavernous kind of thing. And when you actually walk in, you know, walk in the, 
in the, in the desert. Um, it, it's so dead. It's so quiet. There's so little reverb. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really, um, uh, in a way, it's very uh, just unsettling, disconcerting. Yeah. Um, because you, it, it's a kind of a, uh, there's a disconnect between, uh, I remember feeling the same way when I walked on stage. We, we played a couple of times at Madison Square Garden opening for real big bands. And when you walk out on that stage, you have this feeling that everything is going to be just endlessly uh, reverberant. Mm-hmm. And then you go out there and it's just it's dead and anything. And I think, I think that kind of disconnection and, 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 and sort of slightly uncomfortable claustrophobic quality played into the sound of the record. Well, that takes us to the very end of uh, this uh, latest Deer Hunter record, Why Hasn't Everything Already Disappeared? Uh, the final track on the record is Nocturne, and I, I wondered when I heard this, and again, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but in the same way that Death in Midwinter feels like an opener, was this always destined to be the closing track on the record? Yes. They were written probably the same day. Wow. <laughs> Certainly the same week, I, yeah. can, I can tell you that. And the only reason I can tell you that is certainty is because of the positioning next to each other on the memory card. I was in the photograph laying on the car and the boundary was spreading like disease. Well, so I guess what what about like what about this one felt like? I'm always curious, and and you know sometimes there's a good answer. Sometimes it's just that's just. Uh, we, I mean, we've talked about how you know in- instinct guides uh, a lot of this for you, but I wonder like uh, what about this song to you feels like a closing track, either sonically or content wise, or why is this the last well, it thing? Is, it, I, I wish it was a good answer, but. Um, perhaps it was that I wrote it uh, so close to Death in Midsummer, and it felt like two book book bookends. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I should clarify something I said earlier about um, their position on the memory card. Sure. You know, I use it. I've used for many years now. We use it extensively on the record a very very cheap uh, battery operated eight track multi track recorder, mm-hmm. um, and I use it uh, extensively because. Basically, I can record anytime, anywhere, and I mean, I don't, I don't have to plug it into a wall. I don't have to start it up and and, and then open. You know, it's just, very, it's just very quick, 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 quick. Write a song, write a song, write a song. Yeah, the, uh, it's it's completely the opposite of the computer, in which you have so many considerations, like uh, in, in designing the sound. There is no sound design, and so, um, but you know, much like a four-track cassette recorder, which I used when I was younger. I oftentimes, the only way I can tell the chronolo- chronological order of the songs and how they were written is uh, their position on the tape. You know, like uh, three songs in one week, they're going to be, you know, back to back on the on the memory card. It becomes like a journal almost, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, well, that brings us to the end of uh, this edition of track by track the record is why hasn't everything already disappeared it's out on 4ad bradford cox of deer hunter thank you so much for making such a beautiful record (laughs) oh well thanks for putting up in my my uh wandering mind absolutely it was totally my pleasure have a good rest of your night Bye. bye
Consequence Podcast Network.